Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. We've talked about it somewhat the last couple of Sundays as we've looked at what Nehemiah has gone through. But I do want you to think about what it means to hear that discouraging word. Uh, what was the song? Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. I, how many of y'all live in that world? Raise your hand up if you do. Most of us don't. Mark just sang about the other part of that too just a second ago. But the message is pretty simple. There's a lot of discouragement that comes in our lives. There are a lot of difficulties that seem to be a part of each of our lives. And when we think one is done, we see another one that comes up. And, and sometimes we just wonder, God, where are you in this process? If you were in Sunday school this morning, you would have heard some of that. You would have heard the difficulties that Daniel was going through when he found out about what was going on in the, the nation of which he and his three friends were a part. Uh, it was hopeless. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. I'm here to tell you one thing. The first thing that Daniel did was he didn't stay where he was. He went to those people that he knew would have the answers that he needed to hear in order to address the problems that were his. The next place that Daniel went was to be with the people of God and to, I'm waiting for it, pray. That's the message that we see going on in the book of Nehemiah. Help me not get confused today. I'll call one the other and the other the other. So, but the message is pretty simple. Prayer is the basis of our hope. Prayer is the, the basis of where we are in our relationship with a God that loves us, that we communicate with him person to person. And that message is something that's to be a part of each of our lives as we look at them and recognize that God is able to do all things through us, even through those discouraging things that we have that are all around us. Why does he do that? There's a basic reason for it, and that is because he loves us and he cares about us. And it's not about what we've done that makes him love us. We've talked about that every Sunday almost. The reason that he loves us is simply because he loves us. And we need to take heart in that, and we need to find that as the source of our help through the difficulties that we face. Nehemiah is at that point now. This is a transitional point when things are getting done. And Justin read to us again those verses, those last verses of what we'll look at this morning about a message about what it means for us to understand God's love. It's a message that we shared this morning when we sang that hymn, Praise Him, Praise Him. That's the message about what it means for us to love God and know Him. We think about what it means for us to hear those messages, the message that the choir shared with us just a moment ago, that we thank God for the blessings that are ours, for the King is coming, and the hope that is ours eternally in Him, that we know that relationship is real for us and can never be taken from us. Jesus dealt with those issues. Jesus knew that we were going to struggle. And He says in John 8, 42, these words to us, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I'm now here. But I want you to look at what he says next. I have not come on my own, but he has sent me. God sends us 
for a reason. He sends you the places that you go, to those locations that are yours, to meet those individuals that you see every day, to listen to what God has to say to you through them. But the other part of that coin is the same thing. That when people come to us, I believe God puts people in our ways on a regular basis, explaining to us, sharing with us what we need to hear and how we need to hear it. But the key is we have to open our hearts to do just that. Our ears are too often shut. Our minds are closed to the message that God would share with us. But Nehemiah understands what that message is, and he seeks to share that with those that we see in the letter that he writes to us of what happened in those events. Again, if you have your Bibles open, uh, uh, open to the sixth chapter of the book of Nehemiah. And we'll begin in verse 1. When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the Arab, and the rest of the enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, <clears throat> through up to that, though up to that time I had not set the doors of the gate, Sanballat, Geshem, sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. There's a message, there's a problem that we have in our lives. I don't know about you, but I have this problem every day of my life. How many times do the distractions of the world take you from where you need to be in your time with God? How many times have you found that you're beginning to do something? I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, God. I'm going to pray now for the next 15 minutes about this situation because so-and-so asked me to pray for them, and I'm going to be praying for them. How often does the phone ring? How often does somebody say something to you in passing? How does that happen? Distractions are always there. And it doesn't make any difference in my life. Karen would tell you this is the truth. In our Sunday school class back in a, a year, years ago, I would be doing something, and the next thing you know, I would hear one of, the, one of the class members say this to me. Squirrel? Most of you don't understand that. Some of you are young enough to understand that. But the message was pretty simple. I am so easily diverted. And in that diversion, in that time, I find that I'm not focused on what God would have me do, but where my mind would take me in places that I don't need to be. It's easy to become distracted. Do you hear what's going on with Nehemiah? Those enemies of his are trying to divert him away from what God would have him do. All of us who are here today who are believers have an idea in our minds right now of what God would have us do. What it means for us to be believers. What we are to share. That message that is to be ours. That opportunity that we're to claim as ours to tell somebody about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Almost a hundred people have done that in the last six months. Stop by and look at the map. And know that each of those hearts on that map, each of those pins, are an indication of someone taking time to tell someone else about Jesus Christ. But how easy is it for us not to do that? When we have all these other things that are going on in our lives that can distract us and keep us from doing what God had called us to. And that's what Sanballat does and Geshem. 
They call out to Nehemiah and they tell him, we see that in the second verse of, of chapter 6, come let us meet together on the <clears throat> in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now Ono, okay, you see my map up here, it's always up here. The map is here, Jerusalem is here, Ono sets up here. It's down, you'll see later on, Nehemiah will talk about going down to Ono. But where is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is on a hill. This is on the plain of the, co of the coast. Where is he going? He is going down the hill to go where God had sent him. But I think that more importantly in my life, what I see is there are times when I try to meet someone halfway. That's the message. That's what they're saying. That's what Samballot and Geshem are saying to him. Come on down here. Just meet us halfway. Come on down here. It won't hurt you. This is not going to damage where you are in your relationship with the God that loves you and cares for you. Just come on down to this place and we'll sit and talk. And then what happens? Do you see how many times this request comes? It comes four times. Why? Because what happens is the enemy is always looking at my life and saying, you don't need to be doing this. You need to be doing this. This is a lot easier. It's a lot more comforting. It's a lot more fun. Do this. Go there. Be that. That's the message the enemy would always have us do when we recognize what it means for us to call, answer God's call in your life and mine. Where is it that God has called you to go this week? Who is it he's asked you to talk to? Family member that you know that you're separated from, that you're having difficulty with, that you can't talk to. Have you taken that opportunity to go and see that person? Have you called them? Have you written them a letter? Have you let them know that you care about them? There's a call that God has for us to recognize what it means to reach out those, to those that we know who love us and share that message of hope that we know in Jesus Christ. Family members are where to, where to begin, right? That's pretty simple. If we don't have it at home, we don't have it anyplace else. And so we're called to do that with those that are closest to us first. Don't be distracted by the things of the world. Don't keep your eyes on those things, those pretty things that are all around us that are seeking to draw us away from what God would have us do. Because there's not one of us in this room that doesn't suffer from that ailment. And it's so, easily, so easy for us to give in to those temptations and go where Satan calls us to go and not be where God would have us be. Where do you stand? with the diversions that are around you? Where do you stand in the relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing him and sharing him on a regular basis? Do you remember what, you look at verse 3, you'll see what Nehemiah said to them. So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. I'm carrying out a great project and cannot go down. Why would the work stop while I leave and go down to be with you? We have been given a great object lesson in that story. An object of what it means for us to recognize that we yield our lives to God completely. I shared this message with Nick uh, just this past week. Uh, I did this uh, years, years ago. It seems like uh, centuries ago almost now. But with a large youth group, we had about 30 kids that were in our group. And what we did was we blindfolded one of them completely. Uh, put socks over their eyes and then tied the rope around and they couldn't see a thing. And then we had a stage that they had to go through and there were chairs that were set up in gates. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? One chair here, one chair here, and one chair here. And there was a path that they had to follow. And what happened was the blindfolded person's task was to try to make it through those gates with no one's help. 
How could you ever hope to do that? That's what the kids thought. What happened was I told them, I want one person to be the guide. They can't touch you, but they can speak to you in a normal voice on a regular basis and guide you through this. And so they began to do that, but as they did it, the other 29 students surrounded them and yelled to them every bit of misinformation that they could possibly scream. And I can remember the pastor came to me later on that day and said, Bob, what were you doing with the students about X o'clock this evening? And I told him, he said, don't do that anymore <laughs> because that's all the church could hear. The rest of the church just heard that noise and they could not understand it. But I'm here to tell you one thing. Not one of the students that went through that maze ever failed. Because that person continually spoke to them in that still, small voice. Turn here. Watch out. You're real close with your right leg. And they heard above all the din of the world what God would have them do, the direction God would have them follow. He does that with each of us today. He did that with Nehemiah. And he said to them, he said, Nehemiah, this is a great work. This is something that you need to take care of. And I'm going to use you to do it. That's what God is seeking to do in your life today, believer. He's speaking to use you to be a testimony to the faith that is yours in Jesus Christ. That the world sees and hears and knows that you're on the path. You're on the path that leads to salvation. That comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It all began with a prayer. We won't do it. I encourage you to do this. Lee, are you listening? Go back and read. Go back and read Nehemiah chapter 1. Read verses 5 through 11. This is where it all begins. Nehemiah prays to God for his assistance through all and everything that he does, even as he begins to go to Artaxerxes. You may be here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You may not be demonstrating that relationship at all that anybody would ever be able to see in you. There's a call that God has for you because he loves you. And he says, I want you to listen to me. Just listen to me. Keep all that other stuff away. Just listen to me, and I'll guide you. I'll direct you. And in that first chapter, Nehemiah prayed for that man. He doesn't even call Artaxerxes by his name. And I pray that you would touch the life of that man that I'm going to speak with in the moments ahead. God gives us that ability to listen to him and to hear the call that he has for us and to avoid those distractions that are around us, those things that would lead us away from him. We also can hear the enemy, and we know he's a liar because he'd lead us to defamation. You know what it means to defame somebody? Pretty simple, isn't it, when you think about it? The word's pretty easy to figure out. We say bad things about them. Listen to what they said about Nehemiah. Verse 5, <clears throat> then the fifth time Sanballat and his aide, excuse me, sent his aide to me with the same message. 
And in his hand was an unsealed letter on which was written, It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building up the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. Nehemiah says, I sent this report, this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are just making it up in your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and not be able to complete it. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. There's a message that God has to us there. Pretty simple, five times, five times, Sanballat, Geshem, and the others sent this message. But now this one's different. It's an unsealed letter. I don't know, have any of, don't, don't raise your hands. Have you ever gotten an anonymous letter from somebody talking about something that you've done? I can tell you, it, I have, and it's frustrating. I'll tell you this. If you have something you need to say to me, come to my office. We can sit in there in that empty room right now. There's no chairs in there. We can sit on the concrete floor in that unpainted room with all the carpeting gone, and we'll talk as long as you need to talk. But the message is pretty simple. Do you see what Nehemiah says? He says it's not true. What you're saying is not true. And the things those people were saying about him were untruths because they saw what was happening in the lives of the children of Judah. They were working at what God had called them to do and be, and they were achieving the goal that God had set before them. What is the goal that is Grace Baptist Church? Why are we here? What's the purpose that is ours? That we would have this building full of people. That'd be a great thing. We'd love to see that, wouldn't we? But the goal is not that we have this building full of people, but that we would see souls come to know to Jesus Christ and Savior as Lord and Savior of their lives through the message that we share. And that's why we had, Nick, 45 kids in youth Wednesday night. How many of you grew up in this church? Don't raise your hand to that. But many of you have done that, and you've been here, and you've heard that message that is the responsibility that is ours, and that is what Nehemiah is doing. And all those things that the people, the enemy say about him and the children of Israel is a lie. We are called to be about sharing the message of Christ's love. But we demonstrate that first in the things that we say and do. We recognize the sin that's in our lives, and we recognize what separates us from God first, and those people around us that love us, and we say, there you go, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to live my life this way. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be this. I'm going to be what you've called me to be, and I'm going to carry that message and share it with others. That's exactly what Nehemiah does. And he says this time, I don't care what people see. I don't care that this thing is unsealed. It's a scroll, probably written on lambskin or maybe papyrus, it doesn't make any difference, but it was open for everybody to see. Does that sound like gossip to you? If you read that first verse in verse 6, and Geshem, what's, did you see it? Look at it. What's it say? And Geshem says, it's true. 
That sounds like the essence of what gossip is about to me. When somebody makes up a bunch of lies and somebody else agrees with them. There is a message that we're to call and it is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in that relationship, we have a hope that can carry us through the difficulties that life brings. And life will bring us those discouragements, won't, won't it? Life will bring us those disappointments. And life will bring us to the point that we're not sure where to go or how to do it. But God has called us not to be defamed. Why? Because whose name do we carry? Who is it that we tell people is our Lord and Savior? It is His name. And in his strength and in that power, we're able to deal with those difficulties. Don't allow your life to be overcome by defamation. Don't let, number one, don't let people say things about you that are true. They give testimony to you being the father, uh, following a father that is not the father in heaven. There are two fathers. Jesus says, God's word tells us all about that. That's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 8. He talks about that issue. That was, you're not listening to me. You're listening to your father as he talks to the people that are listening to him. Because you know who your father is. He is the father of lies. And he seeks to tell us that what we're doing is okay and what we're doing is not going to hurt anyone. And it's not even going to hurt us. And all along we know it hurts everyone who's a part of where we are. Don't allow defamation to overwhelm you. But you carry that name that you have. That name of Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And then you carry that name proudly and boldly because Christ has called us to. That people see in us the message of salvation that comes through him and through that relationship that we have with him every day. The message is not easy for to, us to do. It's difficult for us to live, but the message is a change that comes in our hearts and lives because Christ is there. Don't be distracted. Don't allow defamation to overwhelm you. And we also know that the enemy is a liar because of this. He'd call us to desertion. Look at verse 10 through 14 with me. One day when I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of uh, uh, me, I'm going to get it right, Mehitabel, Mehitabel uh, who was shut up in his home, he said, let's meet in the house of the Lord of God uh, inside the temple and let us choose, close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I'll not go. I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and that then they would be, be able to give me a bad name to discredit me. Verse 14 is a prayer. Look at it. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess Noadiah, and the test and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. Uh, the message is pretty simple. What happens this time? Somebody calls Nehemiah to give up. Have you ever felt like giving up? That's a stupid question. Isn't it? There are so many times in our lives where we feel like giving up. Just quitting, it's just not worth it. Nehemiah does not take that approach. Other people have. Think about what happened with Simon Peter 
No, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never even known the man. And then Peter began to swear that he did not know Jesus. John Mark, what happened with him in Pamphylia? He deserted Paul. He deserted Barnabas, his cousin. He left them. Why? Because he didn't want to continue doing the difficult task that was there ahead. In our lives, there's a call for us to recognize what it means to stand and say, we're not going to desert. Nehemiah had that opportunity. It was a pretty safe bet. Do you think the temple would have been a safe place to be? I'm here to tell you, it would not have been for him. You know why? Because Nehemiah was not a priest. And Shemaiah asked him to come to the temple to be there with him. Shemaiah was a priest. It was okay for him to be in the temple. What about Nehemiah? Some people think even that Nehemiah was a eunuch. If Nehemiah had done what he was called to do, he would have put his life in jeopardy. He would have put his relationship with the Lord in jeopardy because he would have disobeyed what God had called him to. And Nehemiah chooses not to go the direction that the world calls him to. The direction that is of ease, of purpose, of what we're about, that everything's going to be fine if you do this. You know what? This is a difficult world we live in. A lot of churches have taken this approach in areas like ours. You know what they do? They put bolts on the doors. They put screens all over everything. They put a sign up that says, basically, don't come. Don't show up here. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And yet we have buses outside that bring children in on a regular basis. And we open our doors to anyone who's ready to come in. And the message behind that is there's a message that's in here in our lives that tells you of the love that Christ has for you. And we hope that you see it in us. And we're working very hard to demonstrate that, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. And we want you to know the same Savior that we do. Come join us. Be here with us. Come be a part of what we're about as we seek to do what God has called us to. It's so easy for us to feel like we need to desert. It's so easy for us to feel like it's time to give up. But there's a call in our lives to recognize that through those difficulties, through those trials, that there's a hope that we have in the Savior, a hope that we have in living and doing what he's called us to because we already know what we're supposed to be doing. The message was so, so easy, right? In Luke 15, right? What happened to the young man? And when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough to eat? I'll just go back and I'll ask him to take me on as a worker at his house. What happened when that young man came back? That father ran to him. That father embraced him. That father kissed him and that father loved him. Because he had been lost and he was found, he was dead and he was now alive. That's what God desires of each of us, that we would recognize his arms are open wide to us. And he loves us and he's given us that way to him, that way that our sins are forgiven. Not by what we've done, but by what Christ has done for us. That's the message of what it means to recognize that desertion is not an option for us, no matter how difficult the times come. No matter how many trials we have, the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ is one that lasts forever. The words that we see before us are words of difficulties, of trials, of, 
of the difficulties of this world, but the message that we see in Christ is that of hope and of salvation. Don't be distracted. Don't allow defamation to overcome you. Don't desert the Savior. And finally, we hear the enemy, and he's a liar because he'd lead us to deception. He'd call each of us to recognize that it's all over. Everything is okay, and it's not. Look at Nehemiah 15. This is what we, we heard just a little while ago. So the wall was completed in the 25th of Elu on, the, on 52 days. Do you pick up that? This, this task was done completely in 52 days. The whole walls, remember how long these walls have been torn down? Over 100 years. And in 52 days, that's a little over two months, God had done something that never had, people couldn't understand it. And we saw back in that first verse that we read earlier that the world around them was confused and they were frightened because they knew that God was the one that had done this. It's the only way that that could have happened. God seeks to do those things in our lives, to have us remember that he's the one that leads, he's the one that guides, and he's the one that provides the salvation that, <coughs> that we need. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, this is the also, Let's, let's stick with that first part, verses 15 and 16 real quick. The message behind them is, remember who leads us. Remember it is who it is that guides us. Remember who it is that sustains us. It's the God that loves us. And he's the one that wants to carry us through. But the process is still that there are always those behind us that are saying and whispering in our ears, hey, you know what? You can't do this. You're unable to do this. If you haven't been over to, uh, to Springfield, Illinois, go to, I'm a, I'll just tell you, this is unashamedly, I'll tell you this. Go to the Lincoln Library. You go to the Lincoln Memorial Library that is downtown Springfield. They have a room that is called the Room of Whisperers. And all it is is people telling Abraham Lincoln what he cannot do. How well do you think Lincoln listened to those naysayers? That's where we're getting to at this point. Look, look with me in verse 17 and following. Also those in that day, nobles of Judah, were sending many letters to Tobiah, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. Who are they consorting with? Who are they talking with? They're talking with the enemy. They're going places, doing places, doing things that they know they shouldn't do. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was the son-in-law of Sheaniah, son of Erah, and his son Jehohana, Jehonaha, there you go, had married the daughter of Meshulam of Barakai. Uh, moreover, they kept reporting to me good deeds and then telling him uh, what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Do you pick up on what's going on here? It's pretty simple. Tobiah is the person, one of the people that began out, he's an Ammonite. He's not even a Jew. But he has relatives that have married into the leadership of Judah. 
And what are they doing? They tell Tobiah everything, everything that goes on on the inner court. Everything that's going on with Nehemiah, everything that's going on with the people. And that's the message that they share. And Tobiah tells them things to tell other people. Have you ever seen that happen in a church? That builds the body up real well, doesn't it? Doesn't that help things go the way they're supposed to? This person tells this person, tells this person, tells this person, and the next thing you know, you've got a terrible mess. God calls us to remember what it means to be his body, to be the body of Christ that we've been called to be, to live our lives in such a way that the world sees and knows that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. Don't allow these things, those those discouraging words to be a part of your life. Don't allow them to rule your life and to be at the heart of who you are and what we're about. But allow the Word of God to touch you. Blessed is the man, James says in James 1.12, who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's the message that we see fulfilled in Nehemiah's life, a message of what it means for us to understand the world of which we're a part is not the world of which we're a part. We are strangers in this world. The world will call us a different direction. It'll seek to distract us. It'll seek to defame us. It'll seek to help us to desert. It will also seek to deceive us. But we serve a God who loves us and who has given us hope and life because of his nature and because of his purpose for each one of us. Listen to God this morning. Listen to his call. The message is pretty simple. It doesn't come in a loud voice. It comes in a simple whisper. He says, I love you. I love you so much, I sent my one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for you. And he died that you might have life in me. And that the sin that you've committed would be covered by his blood. And that blood is sufficient to take care of every problem that you've got. Come, Jesus says, follow me. Come, be a part of me. Take my love, take my life, and follow me. Father, we thank you this morning for the love that you have for us and for the sacrifice that you've offered us. There's so many things that are around us, distractions, deceptions, deceit, all those things, Father, would call us not to you, but to the world of which we live in. Help us, Father, to listen to your voice. Help us to listen to your call. Help us to be more like Nehemiah and say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to go there. How can a man do this? How could a man even think of doing this? A man like me. There wasn't anything special about Nehemiah there except for one thing. And that was he entrusted his life to you completely. And everything he did and everything he said, he bathed in prayer. Help us, Father, to live that same life. Help us to be examples that Christ would be able to use, that we might testify of the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that love, for it comes to us through your Son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.